This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Be sure to check out and subscribe to my flagship podcast, Everything Voluntary, where I seek to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. This even, okay, it is. Um, okay, hello. I, I, they asked me if I needed somebody to introduce me, and I was like, no, no, it's okay. But, but Melissa is just so awesome, so might as well. Um, well, what I thought I would do is just talk a little bit about how I came to unschooling and how I shifted from, it was really a growth from a libertarian perspective, um, whereas a lot of other people come from different political philosophies. And then um, if anybody has any kind of questions. Questions are really my favorite thing. I like to interact. I like discussion as, as, as opposed to standing here and, and, you know, talking about myself. That feels silly. But a little background is important, I suppose. Um, well, I actually grew up here in New Hampshire um, in the Seacoast region, very liberal area. My, my parents worked at the my, – my mother worked at the shipyard. My grandfather worked at the shipyard. Um, then my mother married another shipyard worker. We're very, um, very ingrained in the uh, the federal employee system. And then my mother even worked for the post office for a point of time. But they very, very much support. I also lived in public housing in Dover when I was a kid. I grew up there. Um, so government has always been a very big part of my early years. And my family really feels as though that's what the government is supposed to take care of you, and, and they do pay their share, and they are part of the system, and all this sort of ideas. And I also, I had a little bit of an independent bent to my, because I was uh, raised by just my mother up until I was a teenager. And um, so it was just her and I, and she really gave me the freedom to explore, um, to, I could watch TV, you know, till the middle of the night. I could choose the shows I wanted to watch. She took me everywhere. I was her, I was her buddy and she trusted me and gave me freedom and respected me. And I think that that really helped develop my independence. Um, and just my overall attitude of questioning everything because I realized that, you know, I really looked at her as a peer and other adults because I also didn't have a lot of other children around, just neighborhood kids. Not, not any family. I mean, the next grand, the next child in my family is my son, who's 21. So there was a big span between. Um, it, there weren't a lot of other kids around. What did I say? I mean, oh, sorry. Yes, he's 18. Don't mind me. 20. I meant I was 21 when I was 21. Um, so it was 21 years before there was another grandkid. So. And after my teen years, I we did a little. I, I decided to like break free of New Hampshire. I need to go explore, you know, like lots of the wide open spaces concept that lots of people have. And um, I met my husband, then boyfriend, and we ran off to California. And we lived in LA during the Northridge earthquake. And we got to see sort of firsthand all the waste that was involved and with FEMA coming in. And we actually did an experiment for my aunt, who was a little bit more conservative, a little bit more libertarian. She was a little bit of influence when, I, when we lived there. And she, she and her boyfriend asked that we do this experiment, that we go and stand in line um, to try to get food stamps after the, um, 
earthquake because they were just giving them out. There were just these FEMA tents and you could just go and you'd stand. And, and, and my husband and I, that's exactly what we did. We stood in line um, and the couple in front of us was this young couple, even younger than us. She had a toddler with her and um, she was pregnant to hear. I think she was, what, 15, 17, Jeff? She was very young. And her boyfriend was in a, in, a, in, a, in a sorry an immigrant, and he was working under the table. They were living in public housing. She um, she was also doing babysitting for money and all. The, I mean, it was just like everything that is all the stereotype of people taking advantage of the system. They were really nice and fun, and we enjoyed spending the eight hours talking to them. But they were just being very wasteful of the system, and that had a little bit of an impact on how I. I viewed my, my views where I thought that, that the government was really there to help people and that, you know, we're going to, that's what welfare is. It's to take care of people who need it. And, um, and so it just, that whole experience really shifted my perspective and I, and I became libertarian and that was about 20 years ago. Um, so then advanced to, I have kids. I still kind of have the attitude that you need to train them first before you can let them be free because, you know, you need to make sure that they understand what freedom is and you need to train them to behave and do well and, and um, so that they can go out and understand, you know, the responsibility of the freedom. So the first probably eight or nine years, I was, I was pretty strict with the kids. Um, I wanted to make sure that they were the best readers, that they were the best this, that they understood they were the most respectful, that they were all these sort of things. But what I realized is, and I actually sent them to school. They went to a Montessori type school and then they went to a private school that was a Christian private school, very rigid. And what I realized is as I was taking them to school and, and I was very involved still. I mean, my relationship was always the most important. You know, I, my connection to them was always the most important thing to me. But my relationship necessarily wasn't. I think there's a little bit of addition. I wanted to be there. I wanted them to know I was there. But I didn't really care if they didn't like me. You know, I'm like, I'm supposed to be their parent. I'm not supposed to be their friend. You know, that was the attitude I had. I, I said, I want them to, to be good, to do well. So toward the end of when they were in school, I decided that I really wanted to be around them more. I also was seeing some things in the school that, as, as, as wonderful as a school as it was, I really they were very supportive of parental rights, parental involvement, all that sort of thing. But they, I was sort of pushing my, I wasn't sort of, I was pushing my kids to study things that I didn't agree with. And I remember one time, and one time there was, uh, they had like a science test. And I'm, I'm agnostic. I have no, I may, I may send my kids to a Christian school, but I'm agnostic. And I have no, I'm very open to other um, religions or not religion. You know, whatever you are is fine with me. But here I was sitting at the table with my son, pushing him to remember all these things that I totally didn't. And he's like, what do you mean, you know, their dragons existed at the same time as humans? And I'm like... That's on the test tomorrow. You have to do it. You know, you got to learn it no matter what. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This isn't what is, I don't even agree with what, what I'm, what he's being taught. Not some of it I did, but not all of it. And that was sort of a huge shift for me. And that's when I decided, okay, Jeff, I gotta, I gotta pull them out. I, we, we need to, next year we're going to homeschool. I want to homeschool. I'd always wanted to homeschool. I just didn't have the guts. 
because um, when you have kids young, you don't always have the guts to do what you want to do. So, so that's what we did. And the first year, I started out with I put a char- I made a chalkboard on the wall. We sat down and we did math together as a family. Um, I I bought I think a number of different you know, pieces of curriculum, the stuff from the school that I did like, um, little pieces here and there. By the end of the year, we didn't do any of it. <laughs> By the end of the year, we were uh, doing, making puppets for Dave Ridley's puppet shows and, you know, learning about Henry David Thoreau and civil disobedience. I mean, it really sort of quickly turned into a, um, it very quickly turned into a project-led sort of learning. And I also joined a homeschooling group that was very unschooling-friendly, and there were a lot of unschoolers. So I got to kind of see how people, other people were doing it and that their kids were free to do whatever they wanted and the kids were really awesome and they were a range of ages. And I'm not, I, and I never really, what I didn't like about the um, authoritarian part of my parenting earlier, I, I didn't like it. So I'd been trying to shed it. So this was just, oh, I can do it this way and I can... I can apply these same sort of principles that I that I apply to my neighbors and my relationship and um, all the people I know and care about. Then I can apply it to my kids too, and that's sort of how I saw it. That's not how any of the unschoolers that I talked to saw it. I mean, they were mostly mostly liberal, um, mostly politically liberal, uh, socialist. Um, but which I still don't understand how they put those two. But I did it. I did authoritarian and libertarian. So, I mean. Just not one a connection I can make. So I saw I saw these kids grow and they they were doing well and and I thought they were amazing and I just sort of let go a little more, let go a little more, and let go a little more. And I think that the last things to go were when I expanded it into my parenting philosophy, not just the schooling, not just academics. The very last things were. Stuff like airsoft guns and um, video games and um, stuff that that were my nitpicky things that I were like, I really don't want those in my house. I really don't want them playing video games all day. I don't want them watching TV all day. And I was really, really afraid almost that if I let them do that, that they would just all fall apart or that's all they'd ever want to do. And um, I don't think they've played any video games since they were here all week. So, I mean, obviously, that's not what happens. Um, Well, uh, so over the last few years, um, we've just so embraced it. And now the kids are 15, 16, and 18. And I I am just, I think that the, the biggest thing for me is just the relationship between my kids and I is feels, you know, knock on wood. So it's very strong. They come, they talk to me about things that I don't see other parents having their teens talk to them about. They ask for my opinion on stuff that I would have never guessed that they would. Um, they're just, they trust me and they trust my husband. And, and I don't think that they, we would have had that level of trust had we not made this shift to trusting them and, and trusting them to make their own way. That doesn't mean that, that we don't, you know, give them suggestions or ideas, or I most certainly say, I think that's a really bad idea. Or I, or I'll say, oh, that's a great idea. But I try not to spend too much time going, oh, that's so wonderful. Please do that. Yeah, you're what, you know, or that's just really, really terrible. I try to keep it, you know, in the middle. I try to keep it balanced. Like I would anybody I'm listening to like, oh, okay, hear it, listen more and preach less. So, all right. Anybody have any questions? 
So, um, I, oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. So I know that you know a bunch of unschoolers that, that are, have children, like, kind of your children's age, right? But do you know any unschoolers who are, like, now growing adults? And my question more specifically is, what do they end up doing? Do they end up deciding to go to college or do they end up deciding to start a small business? Like, what is the trajectory that you see happening? Well, actually, at this point, we know tons of unschoolers that are adults, um, and they have this. It's a it's a spectrum. It's a huge range. Um, I have a lot of we have a lot of friends that the unschoolers are just they kind of hang out at home. They stay with their parents, and they're comfortable being there forever. I think um, those are usually more in our our liberal socialist areas. Um, but I also know unschoolers who have or parents who have unschoolers that have gone on to college. Um, Doris Ho- Doris Hohensi, she was here speaking about Common Core. Was it? I think it was last night. Um, and she was also on the education panel. She has six kids she raised, and her kids went, and she was an, she unschooled them, and they went on to uh, they got Harvard, Princeton. I mean, it, a lot of you know high end colleges. Um, so I think it's a real big range. You know, there's some that you know jump right out into the entertainment industry. Industry. There's a woman we know that named Car- Carsey Blanson, and she is. Um, a musician, and I interviewed her a couple of years ago, and she, she's, uh, she's toured with Joan Osborne um, and the Hollow Notes or Hollow Notes, the Oats guy, I think. Um, so she's I'm like, I, what the hell? Which one is it? Um, but so they they do. But she she thought she would try it for a year. Um, she she said she was unsure how she was going to be able to make it in the music industry of all things, and. Um, but she grew up having all this time to play guitar. She's entirely self-taught, um, writes all her own music and sings, and, and she's awesome. It's really great music. And um, she was unsure how she was going to be able to make it, but she just said, well, I'll just try a little bit at a time. I'll just I'll go play for this person, or I'll go do this. And, and, it, and it worked out really well for her. Um, just wondering, like, there are certain aspects of education that most people consider necessary, like reading and math. I'm wondering, is it ever a challenge to get kids to learn those things? Is it something? Do you, do you risk having an illiterate child if you, you know, do unschooling? It depends on how fixed you are on when they learn. Now, my kids did go to school, so my my daughter's last year in school was second grade. So my my kids all were readers and good readers by the time we started unschooling. But at this point, you probably realize we met lots of unschoolers, and um, and we have many in our groups that uh, in in our homeschooling groups that we belong to that that I've watched learn to read. Um, it's if you're fixated on making sure that they read by five or four or even six then you're probably going to get, you know, you're, you'll probably get scared and chicken out and want to like, here, here, let me, let me give you some phonics or something. Um, because I've known unschoolers that don't learn to read till they're 11 or 12 or even 13. Um, and they, but they read fine and they read phenomenally. A lot of, of a really common thing now is for, that I've seen is um, unschoolers learning to read by playing uh, video games because they have stories that they, they're like, they want to figure it out or by texting or by doing any kind of things on it. Like, I think that, I think that, um, if you're going to do unschooling, um, and you want your kids to read and that's a big thing for you, you read to them often, have printed word around. And I think that 
just because I've seen so many kids learn to read at this point through electronics, I would say don't don't restrict the electronics. If you know you really want to you want to make sure that they have all the opportunities. If that's something they love and you're restricting it, then I think it's going to inhibit their ability to learn to read. But that's that's just my take. Yeah, it, they just they're recording it, so they want. Um, you mentioned Montessori that they went there early on, so I'm just wondering if you, if for whatever reason you are not in a position to do this, like both parents work or whatever, is there one? Um, sort of is something like Montessori or another type of education something that you would consider like the closest thing to you know that you would feel more comfortable with over others like a public school education or whatever well actually I'd probably feel pretty comfortable with whatever my kids wanted to do I mean I'd probably discourage public school but that's about it and that's not because I think the actual what's in the school is the problem I mean I think it is a problem but not if you're being not if you're not being forced to go there um so I probably wouldn't discourage my kids from going to anything. Um, but if you're looking for something that's close, it's changed. If you're looking for something that's similar to unschooling, um, there is the Sudbury Valley Schools. Have you ever read uh, Summer Hill by A.S. Ma- Neil? A.S. Neil? They're, what they are is they're free schools. Hey, how are you? Do you want to say hi? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so cute. Um, the free schools. And there's actually one um, in Sudbury, Mass, which isn't too far. So if, you know, you're there, – there aren't any that I know of yet in New Hampshire. I've heard a lot of people talking about putting together a free school. Yes? <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of people talk about putting together a free school, but I've yet to see it happen. And what it is is it's a model where the, the, there are adults available for the kids – um, they have libraries, they have computers, and if the kids are interested in learning a specific topic, they get together and go, hey, can you guys teach us how to do this? And then they have classes. Um, if you've ever heard of the, the blog uh, Free to Learn, it's on Psychology Today. Um, he talks about he talks a lot about it, Peter Gray. And Montessori is also a... Oh, it's a Montessori is also, I think, a, you know, a decent child sort of led... Um, system and ours wasn't necessarily a Montessori school it was just a Montessori style um, but I like anything that offers more freedom more autonomy more less preachy more support you know just another comment on the free to learn it's actually a book as well and it's a really good book to read. But um, Okay, so my question is uh, the transition that you had from authoritarian parenting to a libertarian approach. Um, what were some of the effects of your, on your children, you know, either positive, I would think positive, but um, if there was any negative. And because um, I think that would apply to most parents today if they wanted to make a switch, you know, it would be something they would almost have to swallow like they're... <laughs> Pride to change over from something they've been doing. Well, I think for us it was, I mean, I say it was, it happened like within a year, 
but it still was a slow process. I mean, I tried, tried to take every day and every moment by, I mean, I really focus on mindfulness and that's something that's really important to me is to be really mindful of what's going on. Is this the choice I want to make? Is this the thing I want to say? Is that, and I want my kids to be able to do that as well. So, um, so that was also important to me. So it helped and I think it helped them. And I don't know, I, I mean, I, I really can't think of negative results from, from shifting to more freedom. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there were. But off the top of my head, everything that comes to my mind is all positive. Um, I think that maybe when I had relapses or my husband had relapses where we're like, you know, things are going free and then we're just like, oh, you just do this, you know, or, you know, get mad or then the, those would be negative negative things for the kids. They certainly don't like the, the, that sort of instability. And I think that that's one thing that actually people are really, really afraid of or nervous about when it comes to unschooling. They're like, well, children need structure. And I try to always talk about how unschooling does provide a structure. It's just an internal structure. It's, um, it's a relationship structure. It's just, it looks very different, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean it's just all chaos and screaming or yelling and or, you know, happiness or joy, you know, if, or just messing around. It's just, it's really about making that a solid relationship with your kids and your family like you would want in the world. And I think that that's why it's such an important thing or, oh, I don't, I hate to have it be like, oh, everybody has to unschool because I don't feel that way at all. But for me, that's why it's very important because what, what I think matters and what I think is most important to make um, you know, libertarian society work is making those connections with people and developing relationships and being positive and accepting and tolerant of things that you might not necessarily like, like lots of video games or, you know, anything that I didn't like. That help. Do you have any um, stories or examples of um, some of the fun things about changing over, like the, that your children responded, like, oh, wow, this is great. More freedom. Oh, well, the video games, they were thrilled when I started, like, let, letting off on that, because for, for a while, what I would do is I'd say, at the beginning there, I would say, okay, well, if you read for two hours, then I'll give you ten minutes on the video. You know, it was, it was really, really... But they read a ton, so I was, you know, they kind of, they always got to play. But so they were thrilled, you know, and they, I, I mean, here <laughs> they get to do, I mean, they get to explore as long as they, I, I don't bother them unless, um, I see them being rude. If I ever saw them being rude to somebody or, or being, you know, they're screaming, they're being really loud at the campsite. Like, uh, you know, a couple of nights I've seen them. There's cause when you get a whole group of kids together, sometimes it can be even, you know, more, and I'm like, all right, yeah, you've got to quiet down. This is not respectful of, but I, I would say that to you know anybody I cared about. I'd say that to my husband, or he'd say that to me. He'd be like, Kelly, I think you need to stop drinking. You know, <laughs> which I really wish he said the other night, but he didn't. Not my fault. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that it's just the best benefit is that they just they they're happy. They trust you more. And and actually I should say that does not mean they're happy all the time. My kids are so certainly not happy all the time. They still complain. They're still people, they're still individuals, and things don't always go their way. Um, because you got to also realize we have five of us, and the more people you have, the harder it's going to be to 
have everybody get along or everybody be in a good mood at the same time. So when things like that happen, if there's conflicts in what one person wants to do when somebody else can't, especially with the kids, we just try, uh, well, I just try to negotiate or negotiate and, and calm people down and try to bring it to a, a, a better positive level. But it's not perfect. I'm sure every day is different, but can you talk about a day in the life when your kids were younger? Because I have a seven and a half year old and a three year old. So I'm just kind of curious how that goes for younger children. All right. Well, my kids were, like I said, they were, um, <clears throat> my daughter was in second grade the last year that she did. So I had, mine were slightly older, probably, you know, we're probably talking about, you know, eight to 11 at this, this type of day would be was, um, we get up when they'd like. Um, I didn't push them to get up ever. So sometimes they'd sleep till 10 or 11 or as they get to be teenagers, sometimes they'd sleep till one. I'm seeing that shift now where they really want to be up. Um, and they go to bed a little bit earlier, but there's a big chunk of time, a few years where they, they sleep all day (laughs) and then they're up all night. And then you feel like, Oh, I'm doing a terrible job. But, um, so when they're younger, you know, they would sleep till say 10 or 11 and then we maybe go to a homeschool group. Um, we always have a park day, uh, at least one event that we do a week, but usually it would be two or three. Um, and those things would last for hours. You know, you go and they'd go play at a park. Um, sometimes we'd go to like a field trip type thing where um, we go to a museum or we go to somebody's house or, you know, any, anything like that. So I, we did a lot of getting out and doing stuff. At that age, my son was also playing travel hockey. So a lot of our days had driving a couple hours to go sit at an ice rink and um, watch him play for hours. And uh, and the other two were rink rats, so they'd run around and pick up pucks, you know, and collect pucks. So it's really, if you just, like, look back, it looks like, it just looks like a day of play, a day of rest, a day of um, connecting and enjoyment. We'd also read. I mean, I, I did a lot of, at that age, I did a lot of reading aloud. Um, I still read aloud occasionally to the family. I mean, it's just something that I've always done and they seem to enjoy. So, and they would be free to get up and walk around or they'd be free to play while I'm reading. Or sometimes if I didn't think they were interested in like, they, if I go, Oh, okay. You want to hear me read? They'd be like, I just go over in the corner and start reading and before I knew it I'd have like three kids sitting around me or Jeff going can you read that chapter again because I don't know you know I'm lost at where you were so that's kind of what our days looked like Um, you're saying that uh, you're very close with your kids now and I think it's more typical if kids go to government school where they identify with their peers more and less with their parents do you see any of the opposite where they maybe can't connect with kids that are in the system and when they do reach those children, are they like totally different and they can't have anything to talk about and any problems? Actually, that's a really good question because, um, I have seen that in, in some scenarios and, but with my, when it comes to my kids, my kids are already in, um, in ideological, uh, small group. So I'd say that their, their problems have been more um, relating on that level as opposed to relating on just a general sense. Like we've been to, 
or we, we went to a, an unschooling uh, family's party once, right? And they had a whole bunch of teens there. And like I said, they're generally very socialist and, and liberal. I love these people. That's their, that's their thing. But they're hanging out. My kids are hanging out with their kids. And um, I know they know we're libertarian. I mean, it can't be. You know, it's obviously, obvi- you know, it's pretty obvious. But they're hanging out with the kids. And some one child they don't know, one teen they don't know is talking to another one. And they're like, oh, so-and-so is, you know, so stupid. I hate him, you know, and swearing about how awful this person. I would never be friends with him. He's a libertarian. You know, and how could anybody possibly like that person? And my son, who they're all, and because it, it was Wolfgang, and, and Wolfgang goes places and people just draw to him. They hang around him. So they're already laughing and enjoying his company. And he's like, um, you do realize, right, that I'm a libertarian and that's a really silly reason not to like people. And they're like, oh, oh my God, really? You know, you know. So they've had a hard, it's really... They've had a they've had a situations where that sort of thing has happened. Not so much where school kids have given them a hard time. They always can't, they have lots of friends that are in school. Have you ever reminded me so much of the irony of oh the state is so great, but I won't put my own kids in there. I won't have the state handle my kids. The state is good for everyone else but me. I try to stay away from it, honestly. <laughs> I do it in writing, but when I, I realize that these are my ki- my kids, I have to. I, I don't want to like burn every single bridge that I possibly have. And as much as I'd like to scream that at people, sometimes I don't. I you know I much more go. Oh, do you see a little bit of inconsistency? And that's probably where I would you know leave it at because I you know I I, I like I said it's you, there's we're such a small group of people, and I want to make sure that I try to connect with everybody I possibly can. You know, and let people see that I'm just a normal person. I mean, I realize I live in a bus and, you know, I unschool my kids and I go to this pork fest thing that sounds like some orgy thing, but it's not. Uh, so I'm curious about, um, so there's this discovery method that kids have for, to find what subject they want to look at. Is there anything, um, like specifically like, te- like techniques for teaching that people work on or, you know, like the proper way to learn to read or, you know? Well, actually, um, I would say there are some techniques for unschooling, and um, they are the, the biggest thing is strewing. It's called strewing, where you just kind of leave stuff around that's interesting, and you hope that the kids go, "Oh, what's that?" You know, and then they want to play. We kind of do do our strewing by driving around, you know, and parking in front of us. Oh, what's that? You know. <laughs> But that, that's kind of, it's this passive just having things of interest around and available. If you're specifically talking about reading, it's one of those things where you'll, you'll find unschoolers who I've, I've, I have, uh, okay, I've got a good story about actually, about learning to read in an unschooler. I had this friend, and she's, she's definitely an unschooler. And she does happen to be a libertarian, which is rare, was rare, it's getting less rare. Um, and, her daughter was, I think, eight or nine, and she still wasn't reading. But she worked. The mother worked full time. The father was the, the 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 stay-at-home dad, and she would go to work and, um, you know, talk to her other women friends. And the other women friends are like, you know, talk about how their kids are doing school, reading, and all this stuff. And she must have mentioned that her daughter wasn't reading yet or something. And her coworker said, "Oh, you got to get." It's hooked on phonics. The hooked on phonics is wonderful, and you know, you definitely it's that's what you, you know that's what you need. And this woman's so polite. She's just like, oh, oh, that's nice, you know. And so one day the coworker brought it in, gave it to her, 
And she took it home and she just put it on the counter. She just left it there. No intention of doing anything with it, just left it there. And, you know, one day her daughter, maybe a week after, said, What is that? And she's like, Oh, it's like a learning to read program that, you know, somebody from work sent me home with. And then within another week, she was opening it, listening to the tapes, playing them, looking at the little books, and, and reading. And so she picked it up on her own, but she used one of those more traditional kind of approaches. Now, I also was on, one time I was on a, like a home, an unschooling list. I don't know if anybody, Sandra Dodd's unschooling list. It's called Always Learning. I think it's a huge resource for information for people that are learning. But just be prepared because they're not nice. They're like, if you don't see it exactly their way, they're not nice. And so there was this discussion, which there always is, about reading. And I think what my friend did with just leaving, strewing the hooked on phonics box, even by accident, her daughter learned to read. I think that's awesome. Now, many unschoolers and on this list, you know, they're talking about, you know, asking for suggestions about how to get your kids to read and how to do things. And, and they're not happy enough with the traditional just let your kids read, you know, read around your kids and, you know, surround them with the written word and, you know, let them play video games and all that sort of stuff. That's not enough for them. Their kids have, haven't been reading and their kids are expressing interest in reading, which I have seen many kids that are younger and unschoolers that go, I want to learn how to read. And then sometimes the parents will go, oh, well, you know, have fun with that, you know, or just give them stuff. You know, and I, I don't think that that's, that's very, I, would, I wouldn't do that to my husband, you know, unless it was something I really, really hated. Oh, I want to learn how to, oh, I want to learn how to do this. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, um, I w- it's just, it seems rude. So I think if there's kids and that is there, if they, I think people forget sometimes that reading can be the interest, you know, because there's a lot of talk about, oh, well, you know, just surround them with things they like. What do they like to do? We'll just do more of that, that that's in books. I'm like, that's not enough. What if the interest is reading? So I had suggested, I'm like, I said, told that story and they're like, Nope, we're not going to support any kind of schooly thing whatsoever. Are you kidding me? That's strewing. So, but at the same time, they're like, oh, buy 10 different movies that have, you know, subtitles on them or do, you know, I mean, like every, oh, buy this particular video game. It's not educational, but it has a lot of words in it. And I I just, I don't see that. So I, I think that you use whatever resources you find available. I, of course, would not advocate. Well, I shouldn't say of course, but I wouldn't advocate buying the Hooked on Phonics and saying, we have to sit down and do this, and why aren't you listening to these tapes, or, you know, look at this book, do you understand? I, none of that. I would, I like what my friend did. She brought it home, left it there. Kid was interested, she looked at it. Um, I'm not exactly sure, I can't remember how um, different your ages of your kids are, maybe either in your life or in other unschoolers you know. Um, did you find that um, the older kids um, want to join in and like teaching the younger kids and like how does that happen that's really good my kids are all um, really close in age so but if you homeschool at all and you go to homeschooling groups you'll find that there isn't there's there's very little age discrimination the kids play with each other from all ages like four-year-olds all the way up to 16-year-olds I think the only problem comes in when there's parent parental expectations of of teenagers I think that's the biggest problem I've had is I have three teenagers, so we would go places and 
the other parents want their kids to be watched by my teens. And my teens are like, hey, I want to hang out with my friends. And so it becomes a little pushing and a real, real disrespect from my viewpoint of those teenagers. They're not there to be your babysitters. Um, they're there to hang out and have fun. And if this kid climbing on them is a little bit too much, then they have the right to go, I'm sorry, can you go back with your mom? You know, um, And as long as they keep that kind of attitude and the parents have that kind of you know, a positive attitude, my kids will play with their kids all day long. But if there's any kind of impression that this is what they're supposed to be doing and that's their job, um, then it, it becomes really unpleasant for them. So, But I, I definitely do see kids picking up and reading and helping other kids learn to do things. Um, I know that when my kids were... We were just starting in the first couple of years. There was an unschooler that was a good friend of theirs, and she was 11, and she didn't know how to read, and she actually was crying to my daughter. She's like, I need to know how to learn. I want to learn how to read, and how do you, can you teach me how to read? And her mother wouldn't, wouldn't at all help her. Not at all. It was like almost this brand, badge of honor that she had a daughter that was 11 and not reading. And her daughter's crying at homeschool group going, I need to learn how to read. And um, we, we've seen her a few years later, and she was just learning, I think, at 13 or 14. Um, it, but she did, you know, even with that discouragement, even with that non-support, she still figured it out. Um, so, you know, you got to kind of watch that sort of thing, I think, you know, within yourself. So I'm thinking back to the, the unschoolers you said that go to, uh, like Harvard or whatever, right? Not, um, so, okay, so I'm an educator. I have my own company and I, I teach. Um, so I kind of have to unschool myself a little bit. But um, my question is, there are certain skills that if they decide to go into like a higher learning type of situation that they're going to need like writing skills. <sighs> when they become like teenagers or something, do you feel that it's like uh, like writing an essay or something or learning like the mechanics of writing. Do you think that's like something they self start or is it something that like, you know, there's a curiosity about something and you're like, well, why don't you write about that? You know, like how do you get them to do the skills that they're going to need much later? Because everybody needs to know how to write to a certain extent, even if you're writing just like a letter or an email. Well, um, I would say I don't give them any kind of pressure whatsoever. None. And in fact, I have a story about writing as my daughter was really, really, incredibly interested in writing when she was younger. She was like 11. That's she's like, I want to grow up and be a writer. So I, I said, Oh, do you want to take this? They're doing a homeschool class at, you know, this woman's teaching writing. This was actually in 2008. So maybe she was 10, but, um, it was right around the Ron Paul thing. And I'll get to that later. <laughs> so she had to, uh, she, she had to do it for this class, which she said, yes, I want to take cause I want to learn how to read. And, and actually my friend's going to take it. And, this woman that taught this class was so mean and so she was good. She was, I mean, she knew what you needed to learn and, but she was so fixated on stuff that Zoe would come home and be like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I'm like, well, you don't have to, cause I'm not, I, I don't have the, the attitude that you start it. You have to finish it. But if you don't want to finish it, don't finish it. Um, Unless it's like a definitely a, you know, a huge, there's like five people on a team and you committed to doing something with these five people, then that's a commitment you made to those people. And I would say, you really want to, you know, bail on that. But, but this was just a writing class, so she didn't have to. But she decided to and keep on and she kept plugging and she kept trying. And the woman was just really very, 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 very critical, wasn't kind. 
and um, sort of kind of picked favorites. And then when it came time to do the, the project at the end, they had to write a little uh, persuasive piece, like a one-story, a one-page a one persuasive piece. And she wrote it about Ron Paul. <laughs> and I'll tell you, <laughs> it was really good. It really, like, actually was really good. Um, and she made her points about war and all these other things. And the, the woman just came back and said, this is so terrible. It's like one of the, you know, you can't, you can't possibly do anything. You've made no point whatsoever. You know, of course, because she doesn't think that way. Um, and it was just, it was just really a negative thing. And she stopped writing. Zoe stopped writing for a number of years. And then she, the only reason why she started writing again is she, um, she didn't like her handwriting. She had to write something out and she goes, I can't, this is awful. You know, she said that. I, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, and she said, oh, I'm going to start journaling. So she wrote in a journal every day. And that's how she's been picking it up. My boys don't do a lot of writing. Wolfgang has started to kind of play with the idea. Um, but as far as if they need to go to college and they want to go to college, my perspective is you do it for practical reasons. If, if that's something they have to do in order to go, then you know they have to write a, you know, a statement of purpose or something, then they're going to find a way to write the statement of purpose. And just practicing doing that in a short amount of time, they're going to be able to pick up something. I don't care if it took like five years in school. For some people, I think it probably took five years because maybe they didn't want to learn it or they didn't have a practical reason to do it. Um, so now that your kids are basically um, adults and know what they need to know to be in the world, do you find um, they have what you would call any holes in their education? And if so, do you think that they uh, care about that or not? Like, if they never um, wanted anything to do with science, do they kind of feel like, oh, maybe I should learn some basic science because that's something that most people know? Or do they are they happy to just, like, uh, specify, you know, just be specific in their knowledge. Well, I, I guess maybe I'm not being clear too, because their knowledge isn't just specific. It's not like somebody goes, I just want to, you know, an unschooling kid goes, I just want to do uh, music, and then that's all they learn is that small set of electronic, like I'm saying Wolfgang, for example. There are so many different skills that they need in order to do that that you generally end up learning a lot of what it takes to just live in the world. And that's the other part is they're already living in the world, and that's with all homeschoolers. You know, the idea that they're not socialized or how are they ever going to live, live in the real world, that's the biggest joke because they are already living in the real world, and they're already communicating with adults. And, and I think every single person has holes in their knowledge. I mean, but I think those holes are kind of awesome because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had even here where I've talked to somebody and I went, oh, Tell me more about that. You know, I mean, I think that's how you connect to people. You know, if you have something missing, a missing piece of knowledge, isn't it great if you can learn about it from somebody else? And then if you need more, you can go look it up. So I think that that's kind of where I'm at as far as that goes and my view on it. Um, Wolfgang was is staying with a family up in Camden, Maine, and the daughter, his best friend, um, that they, he stays with this family, and she had to do finals for the end of her school year. She's in high school. And he's messaging me because he was helping her study for them. And, and we're talking back and forth, messaging. And I said, well, I said, oh, well, did you? Because he's like, I have to study with her because she's so, so stressed out. And, you know, it's really bothering her. And I said, oh, well, did you learn anything? He goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, really? 
I'm like, out of that? And he goes, he said, and, and he's not even very, you know, like, oh, rah, rah. And none of, I wouldn't say any of them except maybe my middle one is more like would proselytize about unschooling or anything. But he's sending these messages to me. He goes, no, he's like, he's like, actually, it's kind of sad. 95% of what she's studying, she's never, ever, ever going to use. He's like, it's just, it's really sad. Anybody else have anything they want to ask? It uh, kind of pertains to his question earlier that the uh, the socialists never really offer an explanation why their government schools wouldn't be ideal for them and their philosophy. You just never really touch that subject. I I try I try not to do I well it's not so much I try to keep away from it because actually I was socialist so the way that I try to talk to other people that are socialist and um, and or you know philosophically liberal is I try to say yeah I used to think like that too and this is why I don't but I try to keep it I just I, I personally would prefer it to be on a more positive level I suppose if I'm bitchy for some reason I might you know snap at somebody and go what the hell is that you know actually I would never do that but. Um, so, so I try to, when I try to talk to people that are a liberal background, I try to relate to them on the level that I was. I say, this is where I was. I get that, but this is why it doesn't work. And I have a whole bunch of examples for them that I can, you know, tell them why it doesn't work. But they don't really pertain to unschooling. So it's not something that I, I, you know what I mean? I don't necessarily go, oh, okay, don't you get that, you know, you're, which I have occasionally, but. I generally don't say, don't you get that you're, you know, being free with your children and, you know, they turn 18 and suddenly they can't be trusted anymore? You know, I've said that before, but it's it's rare. Usually I try to work on um, it from the perspective of I used to be liberal, you know. what What is it about the philosophy you, you care about? Oh, the poor should be taken care of. Oh, should I remind, you know, should I tell you about my father? He was a drug addict. He died, you know, because the, the state gave him free drugs, you know, I mean, or that my, my, that he was an, he died an indigent of the state, you know, so I have like personal stories that I can say, this doesn't work for people and nobody, no, no piece of the government helped my father by, by, um, giving him drugs. I'm just curious, how heavily do you rely on um, tutors or outside sort of programs to help teach? That's another good question. Um, well, at this point, we don't do a lot, not, not a lot of it. Um, we have, we've done, but it's usually amongst a homeschool um, group. Um, I'm working on putting together a GED class because the GED thing's changing at the end of the year, and hopefully Brett will, will teach it. So we'll do that sort of thing. Um, but we... The, we sort of rely on not so much formal classes because they're just not really my kids' thing, um, unless it's something that they're very, very interested in. Our experience with it has been kind of negative, like I said, with the, the writing class and stuff. They do love um, organized like physical events, like sports and things like that, um, my oldest especially. My middle one kind of likes more would do a karate or would do some kind of independent thing. I was just curious how you manage um, your roles being a mother, teacher, and then how you have time for yourself even. And just because unschooling, you don't have, it's not like a regular school day in public school where you start at 8 and you end at 2 or whatever it is. You let them sleep in. You might do something in the morning. You might not. 
afternoon maybe or maybe not, and then the evenings. I was wondering how that works. Well, that's that's all these good questions. Um, Actually... It, it, it can be really hard. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. There's not a lot of time that I get, you know, to, to myself. My husband would argue. He'd be like, oh, yeah, all your time's to yourself. But, um, which is, but I kind of try to look at it like all my time is myself. This is what I want to do, and this is what I care about, and I want to try to be, I, I want to try to be there for them if they need something. I want to be able to answer questions. <laughs> I want, you know, that's, that's what's important to me. So if I focus time on, if I focus my energy going, any time to myself, then then it just becomes kind of really a negative thing. And they're almost grown, you know. And and how how bummed am I going to be in like five years when they're they're not here? And oh, you don't need you don't need me to help you, <laughs> you know? Or oh, okay, you know. So I mean, I think that I'm going to miss it, you know. Um, although it, it is kind of nice having a little bit less because Wolfgang's. I love Wolfgang, but I miss him. But I don't miss the extra work sometimes. Um, and I, he eats a lot, Jeff says. And he's loud. He's very loud. I love that kid, though. Um, but so it's, it's a matter of, I think that's a very personal thing. So you have to know what your boundaries are and what you can't do. I've met a lot of women who really burn themselves out, and they, they have to, like, need a bath. You know, and I think of when my kids were little, and even though... Um, you know, I think that unschooling is does take a lot of energy. It's different kind of energy. It's just mental energy. And I think that my my biggest my biggest uh, expenditure of energy comes with trying to store up the negotiating skills and keeping myself patient and and being mindful and and are those kind of things. You know, being being the peacekeeper in the house. You know, I mean, I think I think that's kind of my role. And in another family, it might be somebody else, but that's kind of my role. And so I, I, I do think that it takes a lot of energy because you know, you're like, you know, not be frustrated. And, and sometimes I do get it, you know, and then I, then I feel bad and then people give me space. <laughs> um, in the unschool uh, circles, have you ever experienced someone who was going through unschooling and then for some reason both parents had to go to work full time and... What do they do at that point? Like, how do they transition? And actually, I've experienced a few stories like that. Um, usually, it happens with divorce um, people, and it's kind of sad. But what will happen is there'll be an unschooling family, and the parents, for whatever reason, start to split. And either, usually, the dad. Sorry, but usually the dad's like, oh, "I want those kids in school now." You know, yesterday. Um, and then there's no unschooling. There's no homeschooling. So I actually try to talk to people when I talk to women. Um, that are young and they're like, my husband doesn't understand unschooling whatsoever and he hates this. He thinks I'm ruining my kids. And I'm, I'm like, maybe you should work on the marriage because otherwise you might not be able to do this at all. You know, um, you can work on that and then say to them, you know, then as you're working on the marriage and trying to make him happy, be happy together and all that sort of stuff, you can say, maybe you can be a little more peaceful in this way. Maybe we can do a little bit, but try to take it slow because otherwise you might not end up. And those kids' situations usually don't go very well. Um, sometimes they, they go just fine um, once they're in school, but it's a lot of times they don't want to be going to school. And I don't, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to support a situation where a kid has to do something like that. I know it varies state to state. But what legal hoops, if any, have you had to jump through in order to maintain your unschooling? 
That's my favorite question. Um, because it's a New Hampshire question. And we're about to finish up, so I can say. Actually, um, I don't jump through any hoops. We openly don't comply. And I... I don't, I don't believe in complying. Um, I, I did the first two years in New Hampshire. Um, I did actually submit my letter of intent, and I did do the evaluations and sent them at the end of the year. Um, but it was just because I wanted the Barnes & Noble discount, and I realized that's a really bad reason to do it. But, <laughs> but that was. I compromised my principles for uh, 20% off. Um, oh, well. But other ways, since then I've found other ways to get the, the discount and said I'm not, you know, not complying. Or one, one year we wrote a letter that was like our academy. This is my, like, I can't remember exactly what we did, but it was, it was basically, I, we, we, we're homeschoolers here. Here's our proof. It's not, we're not going to give you that proof that you want. We're going to give you this proof. And it's worked out. But now in New Hampshire, they've changed the law that you still have to, you still have to um, do things at the end of the year. Um, where you do an evaluation, a portfolio evaluation, you do testing, or the third option, which nobody seems to use, is whatever you agree upon with the with your school district. So it could even be so much as you know the principal, and the principal knows your kid and says, oh, you're okay. Um, I've not seen that really done that much. I have heard of it, but I've not, I've not actually seen the kid. Um, and there are a lot of people that will tell you that it's no big deal, that you, you know, don't have, you know, that come on, it's not a problem, you know, it's a relatively easy state when it's really not. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's relative to what you, what you're willing to do, you know, and what your principles are. And if you really want that 20% off or whatever, you know, it's about, and, and so for me, I found that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I don't want to concede my authority to the state. Of, of parenting my own kids the way I want. And I've been very vocal about it, very vocal in many places, and I've literally, knock on wood, never had an issue at all. Whereas I have met families and friends who didn't submit their end-of-the-year paperwork in time and were put on probation. So, which just means they were just watched more closely for a year. I also have a friend who, um, she homeschooled her son, and she's also compliant. And he was home, he was 10, he's 10 years old or 11 years old at the time. And he was home alone um, for like an hour because her husband left for work and then she was coming back. And he saw somebody like in his driveway or a car or something. So he got scared and left the house. And even though he was 11, actually he might have even been 12, but he, he was, he's, he looks tiny. He's just like little guy looks tiny. He looks like he was like six or seven. Um, and he actually left the house and then went and hid or had, um, who went and hid by the house, like near the house, he was like hiding out. Um, and a police officer just happened to be driving by and they saw the kid and he's like, what are you doing? Well, I think somebody's over. And he was still trying, he was texting his mom at the time. So he was actually on the phone with his mom going, there's somebody in the driveway. And she's like, you shouldn't have left the house, you know? <laughs> but, um, but she's also like, well, just stay where you are. You're okay. I'm on my way back. And, you know, she's talking to them. So he was already communicating. He was in a safe situation. It was just somebody turning around in the driveway, I think. And the police officer stopped and uh, talked to talked to him, and he said, "Well, I'm scared." And then talked to the mother, and then she had CPS at her door. Anyway, long story short, she ended up having CPS at her door once he found out she, they were also homeschooled. That 
for the next two years, she was under the scrutiny because she had this kid alone for an hour and a half or whatever it was. And then they, she wasn't even allowed to do that. And he, I, I know I think this, he's totally capable. He just looked tiny, you know, and he looked scared. But it was a homeschooling situation where, you know, she followed the rules and then she followed all their rules and, you know, didn't object. And I wish she had objected a little, you know, and not have them breathing down her neck. But, but that's, everybody does, everybody has their own path. You know, and that's what I try to support is people having their own path. And if I can encourage people to be a little bit more peaceful or focus a little bit more on their relationships with each other or with kids or with their kids or with the community, then I think that's all I can do. Yeah, that was in, uh, where do they live? Epping or Lee? Nottingham. Well, I have time for one more question if anybody is, or I could just do jumping jacks or something. Oh, the heels, really? Really? You want an example? Sure. <laughs> I'll take anything. <laughs> my brother and I were homeschooled um, since I was in kindergarten, and my brother and I are about four and a half to five years apart, and we homeschooled like a small school for a while where my mother, we'd see the Pledge of Allegiance every day and do math for an hour and yeah, English for an hour and go on. And I hit a block when I was about eight, nine, learning division, and I could not do it. I would throw tantrums. I was horrible with division. My brother, yeah, so he's like four and a half, five, comes over and goes, what was that? I go, it's, it's math. It's horrible. Don't, don't, don't look at it. My mom is like, she's like, no, it's not that bad, really. We can learn it. And I was like, no. My brother looks over and goes, so wait, it's eight, right? My mother goes, What? And he goes, it's eight. He goes, yes, yes, the answer is eight. And she t- you know, began to teach my brother long division at four and a half, five. And he, within the next year and a half after I got over that, <laughs> he um, began to teach me long division and show me how to do math, which was very interesting. Um, we never had a problem being socialized, even though we would move every year and a half, two years. Until I was about 14, 15, my parents got divorced. So, I mean, socialization was never a problem. I mean... You find people, you know, unless you actually are in the middle of the mountains, nowhere, and you don't want to talk to somebody, your kids are going to find someone to talk to. It's, it's next to impossible to not have that happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, but that actually reminded me of the other thing. I think I said this a little bit in the education panel, um, is that I think um, once... I think she's right. You, you, you're always going to find people to talk to. The kids are going to get socialized because they are living in the real world. But I do, I do think it's a little different when they're teenagers. I think that um, you have to make an extra effort. So I, I think that's also another area where the energy is spent, you know, is trying to find them opportunities to meet more teens because the, the pool of homeschooling teens gets smaller because oftentimes kids will go to school for a total variety of reasons. Um, but then the kids that are left don't necessarily click with your kids, you know, because you figure you have different personalities and that's where you're trying to figure out where you do fit in. And, and sometimes that, you know, they might have been friends all along and then it's sort of, they go in a little bit different directions for a while. And I think that it's really, really very important to try to make sure to have lots of opportunities to meet other teens. If that's what your teens are interested in. Um, and my experience has been that most of them are, um, my middle one is, it took a little bit far longer to get to where he is. He only like he's 16. He'll be 17 in the fall, and he only just earlier this year said, 
okay, I need you to give me, let me meet some more teams. We've got to find some more groups or something, you know, um, just because his needs are different. And my daughter, my daughter and my, my oldest son both have personalities where they go someplace and everybody just circles around them. And he doesn't have that as much. So he needs to have some, he's like, I need to meet some other people that aren't just, you know, staring and talking to my brother and sister. So, but I don't know. Is there any, oh yeah, you can find me on, you can find us on Facebook, the unschool bus, or you can just Google unschoolbus.com. Oh, we got the bus three years ago as of August and we've been traveling full time. So it's, it's been great. It's been quite great. We spent a ton of time here because this is where we're from, but, um, we really love in New Hampshire and wish everybody would move here if you haven't. And I'm a native. We're both natives. So I think that's about it. Thank you. Liberty Classroom is the premier online university for libertarian and free market thought. Take courses from your computer or while driving in your car. To sign up for Liberty Classroom, please use my special link at libertyclassroom.info. That's libertyclassroom.info. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you.